So thank you for joining us today at the Chai Academy. I'm Rabbi Sachs. Um, I will be your uh, your Torah buddy today. So, you know, we, we had the last week, we discussed a class on, on uh, relationships and leaderships and things like that. Today is, is uh, today's class, which each class, once again, is independent, um, is, is on, have you ever asked yourself, why on earth would God created the world, King of Kings, Lord of the universe, all these attributes we say on a daily basis, why would he create a temple? Because it came from him. The initiative came from him. And the Yichol, the and the Asali, Mikdash, make for me a sanctuary, make for me. In the, in the Jerusalem, it was called Mikdash. In the desert, the temporary one, the portable one was called Mishkan. Why on earth would he need a house? God is everywhere. The omnipresence of God is, so why would he need a house? And, and, and so you say, okay, it's a focal point. This is where people can come and make pilgrimage as they did. And it was an incredible sight to behold. It was, it was beautiful. And it was um, spiritual experience. And, and, uh, and they, they actually witnessed a miracle unfold. What is it that God wanted to convey? And I think additionally, the next thing we have to ask ourselves is he chose, God chose. Remember, the Mishkan, the Mikdash, was not man's offering to God. This is God saying, hey Eileen, um, this is God saying that I want you to do this for me. God said, I want you to have this house for me. And I want an altar there where you offer up spices or sacrifices or whatever it may be i want a menorah you know we think of the menorah was huge the holy one in the holy temple was huge um i want a table where you put my 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 fresh bread on this table god doesn't eat bread doesn't mean god is gluten-free but he just doesn't eat bread god doesn't need bread right um and and um and, and i want an ark and i want angels, you know, and the cherubim, the cherubs. Why on earth, what on earth are we doing here? What, what am I missing? Why would God want this? So there are a, a literally a thousand and one answers as to what is happening here. Why would it be so important for God to um, want a, a, an abode, a physical abode and physical earth, which seems so below God's dignity. We understand a king. We understand a president has a White House, and the, and the queen has Buckingham Palace, which soon will be Charles and Camilla, right? And and uh, the king of Morocco has this, and the president of, of, of Israel has this house, etc., etc. But why God? I mean, isn't it isn't it God far above and beyond it? So the commentaries, the commentators are abound, and they 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 discuss um, many many different responses. Today, primarily, I would like to focus on the artifacts, on the artifacts in the holy temple. Why would God alter? What lessons does an altar teach us? What what do they give us? What what do we gain from knowing that God wants an altar?
Likewise, the menorah. Likewise, the table. Nobody ate at the table, by the way. There was just bread. Um, and, and um, you know, so, yeah, wine altar, wine ark, etc., etc. So, so, to be clear, these artifacts, because it was written in the Torah, the, the fundamental Jewish belief is the Torah was written for all times. Torah was, was not just written for nomads in the desert and the Hebrews that came out and, and, and you know, abused slaves with, with inferiority complex. Um, it, it wasn't only, it was not only for them. There are also incredible lessons. The word Torah comes from the word Hora'ah, which means to teach. Everything in the Torah is a lesson. And as you see, the leadership with Moses, why was Moses didn't have a Jewish name, is a lesson. You know, why, why, why was Moses chosen with the sheep, etc., is a lesson. Everything is a lesson. Likewise, too, there's no difference. So each one of these four things, the altar, the menorah, the table, the ark, all teach us incredible, incredible, incredible lessons that we need to, and, and it's applicable for all times, and truth be told, is applicable for all people. So yes, the Jewish people got the Torah, but they got it from God to our nation, but the point was that we should be a light unto the nations. And should, you know, it's not just ours you know, to hoard, but rather it's us to teach and to be a light unto the nations and to be a kingdom of priests, as the Torah says. We're not here just for the Jewish people. And by the way, many, many Orthodox Jews actually make that mistake. They make that mistake by, by being very insolent. Now, I'm saying you don't want to be, you don't need outside influences. But um, when you when you insular to the point where you say, I only care what the Torah says, I don't care what the government says. I only care what the Torah says, and I don't care about what the legislator says, or what the governor says, or what the IRS says, etc. Um, you can't you can't live like that. You can't live like that. It's 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 wrong. You you um, in the Torah itself it says listen to the laws of the land. So um. So while so so our job is not to just hoard our teachings and our lessons, but rather to share it with the world, the wisdom, the be the moral consciousness, if you will, which is why Hitler hated us, and um, um, etc. And 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 it's not made to dismiss and 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 um, disregard the laws of the land, but rather weave them together. In, 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 and, and live in this world with Torah and government laws and try to teach, make the world a better place. Feel free, by the way, to um, chime in anytime you wish. So, let's start with the table. Why would God have a table in his house? To put bread on that he doesn't eat. Why would God want a, a um, why why would he want a table? A table is where families sit around, right? In the temple, nobody sat around, right? 
uh, you know, there was a, is a question whether you were allowed to even sit in the holy temple. Uh, you weren't allowed to sit. I think a king could sit. The king of the Jews could sit. But otherwise, I don't think anybody else could sit. So why would, why would you want a table anyway? So now, if, if we look, if we zero in on, on, um, on the design which was made by God, everything that we know, everything that we have, whether it was in the desert or in Jerusalem, was God was the architect. God said, and it was literally fractions God wanted. God said to Moses, say, make for me a table. It should be this height, this width, and this length. I mean, you cannot, you cannot get more instructive than that. Okay? So God instructed them exactly how to make this table. If we look at the, at the design of this table, we find the strangest, darndest thing. The table was very, very long, but very, very narrow. It was, it was, um, it was literally like 18 inches wide. And, um, you know, and, and it was, it was uh, six feet or seven feet long. That's a bizarre table. You know, you have, you have a table that's, that's, you know, eight feet wide and, and, you know, but it's also, you know, three feet, uh, a table, eight feet long, but three feet wide, etc. This was 18 inches. This is very narrow. And the question is why, what, what, what lesson is that? So I'm going to quote you various sources, things that resonated with me. There are so many different ways to look at this, but this is a lesson for, 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 for the ages. A table. Yes, we need to have a table. We need to have a table. The family that eats together stays together. We must have time where the family gets together and gathers around the table. The table is, 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 the, is, is the focal point of a person's house. I always tell people, the Friday night, which is Shabbat, so Friday night should be sacrosanct. In other words, the, your kids are teenagers now, they want to go to a movie, they want to go to this one's house, they want to go to that one's house, um, et cetera, et cetera. They, they um, okay, but Friday night, we sit and have dinner first, then go. But dinner first. I, I also believe in, in, in extension of this is what the message is, is that too many too many families these days, you know, there's double income and, um, and, and, and dinner becomes a, a uh, sort of optional. Yeah, you know, you grab, the kid comes home from school, does the homework, plays some PlayStation, etc. And then pops pizza into the microwave, the toaster oven. And, and um, you know, and the other kid, he takes a hungry man and pops that into the microwave, etc., etc. And even if there is some semblance of sitting together, what usually happens is either one parent or both parents miss most of the meals. The table is so vastly, incredibly important for a family. It is, it is the glue that literally bonds the family together. And that is one of the lessons. You must have a table in your house. And you must sit together 
and talk and laugh and converse. It cannot only be just casual walk-bys. Hi, hi, how are you? How was your day? And then the kids go up to their room. And I see this a lot, by the way. The kids, they come home, they go into their room. And each kid, they have three kids. Each kid is in their own room watching whatever or playing whatever God knows what on the internet. Um, and they take their meals there. And, and, and it's, it's horrific. It's the whole sense of family. The fabric of family has been torn asunder. Table. Get it together, people. Get it together. You must, must have family time and do it over a meal. Friday night, Shabbat dinner, must. It's a given. It's like should be a, a, a law in, in one's own home. You know, you, you can't, you know, if you, if you get drunk, call dad or mom to make sure that we'll pick you up anytime. No questions asked. Just don't drive. You got to be here at this Shabbat table. I think table also teaches us something else quite as profound is that you need to have guests. You need to invite people, whether it's a Thanksgiving or whether it's, it's a, um, or whether it's family, uncles, aunts, cousins, grandparents, you need to get together. You cannot just see each other once a year over Zoom. Right. There's got to be this physical connection because sitting around a table virtually doesn't work. So the ha you have to have guests and it could be family. It could be friends. You have to teach your kids the concept that you invite people into your house and it's not a foreign entity. It's not weird. Right. In, 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 in Judaism, we have this thing. Uh, uh, we have this concept of invite, inviting guests for Shabbat, inviting guests for the Jewish holidays. It's vastly, vastly important. Now, however, the design of the table that God designed teaches us an incredible lesson. It was very narrow. It's extremely narrow. The lesson is that you can fill up the table with all types of gourmet food in abundance and much of it, and, and caviar, and, and roast beef, and corned beef, and, and go broke. Literally, by inviting guests, you can go broke. So the message here is that invite guests. Yes, you should. I sound like um, the guy from Star Wars. Guests, invite, you should. Um, of course you should invite guests. However, you don't have to be the most opulent food and, and expensive food in the world. Wholesome food, right? But keep it narrow. Keep it regular. It doesn't have to be extravagant that people say, wow, for, you know, there were 17 different things to choose from at the, at the third course. It's not necessary. Narrow your table. Narrow your, narrow your table. Keep it simple. Keep it within moderation. Don't be a show-off. And you'll be able to afford it. You'll, you, um, you'll be able to afford more people. Because if, you know, if you're buying you know, beef at, at, you know, and, you, and you buy um, the Kobe beef, you know, the Japanese kosher beef, oh my goodness, you'll only be able to invite two guests. 
if you buy regular beef, you know, from, from the middle of the country, uh, you can invite four guests. If you buy Argentinian kosher beef, you can invite six guests, etc. on and on and on. You don't need the fanciest things. You don't need uh, wild rice, you know, with, with, with um, organic cranberries. You don't need it. Rice is good. Tasty. You know how to do it. Basmati rice, you know, it's flavorful on its own. That's the idea. The idea is keep it narrow, but keep it long. Invite people, but don't go overboard to the point where you go, get in debt. Or not just get in debt, but you, um, you, 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 um, you, you, know, you can't invite people due to, due, due to the expense. It's not necessary to be a show-off. You can have a narrow table, narrow selection of food, etc. So I believe that's a fundamental lesson. Now, if we continue, if we continue talking about the table, so God put on the table this weird looking bread. It was called the show bread. And the bread was shaped. It was, you know, a, when you make bread, you put it in, in a pan. The pan can be shaped, and that's where the dough will be, right? You can make it round the, the, the pan. You can make, I mean, you can also do it self, but, it, but if you keep it in a pan, and you can add shapes at the bottom of this pan that, that it will, you know, you can put stars of David or, or dreidels or whatever, and you'll have a shape. You'll have a design, etc. The design was not just regular bread. It was a U-shaped bread. In other words, there was dough on both sides, dough in, in, in a metal instrument, in a metal, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a, um, it was a, a, a model, a metal mold, and, and it was, it was a U. And they put it in the ovens. When it came out, it was basically had two ends, and a bottom, and that was the shape of the bread. Now, that is neither a shawarma, that is neither a pita, or a laffa, or a rye bread, or a baguette, or a croissant, you know, mm -hmm. or a bagel. Just, it's not that. It's completely not that. It was so different and so bizarre. And there was a reason. Once again, God designed this shape of this bread. The reason is, is that many people, once they have a little bread, once they have a little dough, once they have a little comfort, they have food to eat, and they're content with their own selves, their own lives, physical lives, financial lives, they tend not to see the plight of others. You'll notice, and by the way, you can go on, on, on um, Instagram or Facebook. People will send this to me all the time. Where, where a homeless person, if you sit down next to a homeless person and ask, could you share your sandwich with me? They will. Because somebody who's lacking basic needs understands the sensitivity and is sensitive to someone who's also lacking basic needs. The problem is, is when you get comfortable, when your belly's full. 
when your bank account is 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 um is is you know it makes you feel financially stable and sound and you're very proud of yourself as the torah tells us that a person should never say my energy and my prowess made me all this money So the showbread teaches us, yeah, it's bread. Yeah, and it's tasty bread, and it's hot. It just came out of the oven, etc. However, while having bread, you're able to see through, right through it to the next person. While you're eating and focusing on self, because that's what food is, if you think about it, it's from external to internal. Um, that's what it is. So while you're eating and focusing on self, you should also be aware of others. And what a, an incredibly profound lesson. One should never get too happy and content that you don't recognize that there's so many other people who are in pain, who are starving, who are in need. It's incumbent upon us. Now, it, it, furthermore, furthermore, in the, in the Talmud, which discusses the concept of charity, is as follows. Charity is not, most people translate tzedakah as charity. In the Talmud, it says it's not charity. Charity is, is, I feel like being generous today, so I will, will be generous, and I will be kind, and I will be a beautiful person, and I'm either asked or I'm not asked. Right? That, that is charity. That's not the Torah's view of helping somebody. The Torah's view is... And be aware of the next time I call you, by the way. The Torah's view is that God gave you the ability to be like Him to give. You're a mini-God. Talks about emulating God. This is how you emulate Him. God is all-giving. You be all-giving. It's not charity. It's not generosity. It's be godly. To be stingy is ungodly. To be critical, well, I'll give this one but not this one, is ungodly. If you think about it, God gives you, me, and everybody else you know the air to breathe, free of charge. Water is free of charge. The water district just raised their rates, by the way, um, by a tremendous amount. So maybe, maybe uh, it's not as free of charge as it used to be. Right. Your basic necessities are very, very cheap. And this is, this is, this is all free. Air. Water. You go to, go to the stream. Get water. Free. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's wild rice growing. There's wild salmon growing. You know, that you can live off the grid. 
God gave that to you. And to your friends, and to your family, and to your rabbi and his family, and to the congregation, and to anybody you know, and anybody you don't know. Right? You be godly. Do it as well. How does the Talmud translate tzedakah? It's not charity. It's actually antithetical of charity. Tzedakah is righteousness. Buddy, it's the right thing for you to do. Don't be a blowhard and say, I'm a nice guy. And therefore I'll do it. Or I'm not feeling so nice today, so I won't do it. This is righteousness. This is justice. God gave you, so give others. In fact, it does say that God gave you so that you should give others. In other words, God gave you money. And out of that money, not all of it is yours. But some of it is an escrow to give to others. You have an escrow account. And that is your tzedakah account. It's not charity account. It's your righteousness and justice account. It's you got to do what you have to do. And that is the table. That is a table. Be giving, as Susan writes, be giving of yourself. Right? Make sure that, that you know, you, 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 you give and you give with a full heart and a glad heart. And you give because you know that you're obligated to give. And not because you can pat yourself on the back. If you want to pat yourself on the back as well, it's fine. If you, if you want to have your name up on a plaque, that's fine. That's fine. You don't have to be anonymous. It's fine. But as long as you understand that you are, you are God's partner in this. And Jewish law says very clearly that the money that we spend on charitable or just, just causes. We give to others. We give to poor people. We give to uh, um, institutions, organizations, you know, that, 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 that help others. That it is, it is, it is, you are, you, you are a, 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 a part and parcel of, of, God's creation, and therefore, what you give is not part of your annual reimburse or your annual salary package. There's your salary for the year, which God says, okay, this year you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars. But what you give to help others is not part of that gross number. That is reimbursables. You will never lose. And this is Jewish law. This is not Talmud. This is not just, this is Jewish law. And Jewish law never gets into ethereal stuff like this. So, that that, that um, what you give of yourself to others, you will never lose. When you invite a guest, guests, and it costs you $100, that Shabbat dinner, that's not part of your salary. 
you will be reimbursed separately. Now, you can say, wowzers, this is Jewish ethics and beliefs. And this is why I decided to include it here. It is literally an ethical part of Judaism to give of yourself and not be haughty when you do and realize that God never, ever remains a debtor. We will conclude this for today, talking about charity, the chaisenter.com donate, chaisenter.com forward slash donate. But if you'd like to see this class again, it's the chaisenter.com forward slash academy, this class and the other hundreds of classes that we have given. And um, hope you enjoy. Please, please feel free to share. God bless.